Welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and as a podcast over all of the major podcast platforms. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm joined by Ben Towers. Welcome, Ben. Uh, I'm going to do the usual and give Ben an introduction. Uh, he's far too modest to uh, talk through his achievements himself. Ben is a speaker, uh, an entrepreneur, a marketing expert. He's an ambassador for a number of organizations, which I'll describe. Uh, from uh, Kent originally, just south of, uh, south of London, and uh, was a very young entrepreneur. Started, uh, started his first business, which we'll talk about uh, when he was 13, actually started working on it even, even earlier than that, uh, which he sold uh, uh, to uh, actually exited, uh, I think is the correct term, exited about six years later when he was just 19 years old, uh, called Towers Design and uh, exited to a, uh, a company called Zest Agency. Uh, ben is a, an ambassador uh, to a number of organizations, including Bullies Out, Dogs Trust, uh, the, Live, uh, the Young Lives Foundation, uh, the Duke of York's trust called IDEA. He's an angel investor, invested in a number of companies, and we'll listen to him uh, talk about one of his uh, latest ventures uh, as well of his own. Uh, and is an advisor currently to GSK and the Department for Business. Uh, in 2005, Ben was a TEDx talker at Croydon, uh, so you know, proper speaker, and actually uh, does a lot of uh, work on the speaking circuit uh, today in presenter and, uh, and speaker jobs. So, um, boy, that's a mighty impressive uh, track record, Ben. You're just 21 years old now, I think. Somebody's trying to bust into, uh, into our room here. You're just 21 years yeah, old 21, now, I think, yeah. yeah. So take us back, and um, I'd love to hear you tell the story about how you got into your first business. Yeah, I think I've always had a passion for technology. I've always grown up with technology around me. I think I'm part of that generation where we've always been connected to some of some format and so when I was just leaving primary school moving to secondary school I started to get this passion for IT and understand more than just using computers but more of uh, the backbones behind it and how it worked. I was very inquisitive to find out more and then my IT teacher at my primary school was then sitting me down and teaching me how to build websites and I was also yeah. doing a lot on YouTube as well so I'd spend most of my evenings learning how to build these websites and then using um, YouTube, using to, YouTube learn, yeah, to, yeah. to learn yeah so I'd be like how do I put this contact form on this page yeah. and I'd ask YouTube that question and it would present me with an array of videos that would yeah. then tell me what to do so that was then how I basically kickstarted it all and then my mum what tools were you using just out of uh, so it's WordPress builds WordPress mostly so and I was then learning some sort of HTML PHP <clears throat> language and I wouldn't say that I know it you for even now, but I'd say I've got it to a point where I could manipulate and build something. Right. And the time when we needed to build something quite special, thankfully I was employing people who could specialise in that. Right. Then my mum was like, look, one of my family friends, she's an author, and she was just like, do you mind building her website because I think she could do a new one. And I was like, yeah, I'm up for a challenge. That's my first sort of challenge in this space. So I was like, yeah, of course. How old were you at the time? I was 11 at this age, so I was just moving into secondary school. I learned to build this site for her. I remember the first time I met with her, I set a bedroom up, I had this big desk, I put the chair out for her, like I set up this whole meeting environment that I thought that you had to have because she was my first customer. I didn't quite know what a word customer meant at that age, but I just knew that she was coming from this big meeting. And so I did that and 
at the end of that, she was like, that's really good, thank you, and here's 50 pounds. Now, when you're 11 and someone gives you 50 pounds. Big money. Yeah, you are happy. Right. I went straight to the sweet shop, spent it all, <laughs> and I was like, I now need to make more money because I've spent it. And it then sort of made me realize about the world of business, I'd say, and neither of my parents, you know, they're not in business at all. They're very supportive, but they don't understand the mechanics behind running a company or anything like that. Right. So they could never tell me what to do or how to do things, but what they could do, and I think on reflection, it was something that really made me who I am today, was them to support me and go, you know what, we can't advise you in the professional world, but we can just keep you grounded, keep you safe, and make sure that you're on the right path and keep things available to you. So when I had one of my first... It's probably a good thing, right? You, you don't oh, yeah. necessarily want to uh, have I your think, parents advising you on the content. Exactly, and I think the second your parents start to get involved, yeah. that's when it starts to become either uncallly, start to... <laughs> They say don't do that, and you're doing that. You know, and it starts yeah. to become that interesting thing, and it's like on a side topic, you get the whole thing around young people when they first get their phone, and it's like if your if the parents the one telling them what to do, don't do that, don't push that, don't do this, then the first thing they're gonna do when you leave them on their own with their phone, the yeah. what what does it do? <laughs> so thankfully, my parents were really supportive of that, and so that led to me learning about business again, basically all through YouTube, and eventually at this point going to events as well. And at age 13, my mum was like, look, we need to make sure you're like, safe in regards to running his business, you're making money. I was doing freelance work online. Yeah. So it's a Ben from London and a cartoon picture of me. Nobody would know my age. Your actual age. So okay. literally, yeah. and it would, no one would actually see an actual picture of me, it was all cartoon. And that meant I could win work all across the world. And I was bidding for these websites and they were a couple of hundred pound sites, but every single time I was learning, so I'd read the brief and they'd be like, can we put the logo on the right, not on the left? And I'm like, oh, I can give it a go. And then I'm going to get onto YouTube and other sites and like learning how to put the logo there. And anything was just learn as it was requested. Yeah. So then my mum was like, look, let's go and see your granddad. He lives up in Cumbria and he's run companies all his life and like campsites and music teacher and so on. So he'll get the sort of the basics, money management right. and the legality yeah. understanding of it. So I met up with him. In my head, I was going to pitch to do his website. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna prove to him why I can do his websites. In his head, he was doing a legal fact check on me to make sure that I was safe. And at the end of it, I ended up realizing quite what I'd started to build and I ended up, age 13, making it into this business. And then technically and legally, it was self-employed because when you're under the age of 18, having your own limited company is you so many you can to certain extents, but like being a director, you can't go back to you 16, right. and there's loads of other implications that then get added on. Yeah. And it was actually safer for me to be self-employed, but also interestingly, when you're under 18, you get the same legal protection as you would if it was a limited company, right? because you're a minor and so, so on. So there's no advantage? No, there wasn't, yeah. at that time there was no real advantage. So I set up in that and I started doing more and more freelancing work. Over time, bid more and more and more, then started to speak at some events and that's where things like the TEDx talk happened and so on and they came because I ended up getting involved with a few membership and business organisations who uh, wanted to celebrate the fact that I was this young person from Kent in his bedroom building websites. Right. And they were like, look, we want to put you on a platform, we want to put you on this stage to talk about what you're doing because it's quite exciting. And by me doing that at such a young age, it helped me to shape my whole career and from the age of maybe 14 I've been speaking at events. And the thing that's helped me to do is to really build a company where I've learned how to engage people. For example, I would speak at an event and then there'd be, for example, the marketing director of this company and I'd be like, oh, 
meeting them and suddenly you're now putting this room with them where you can now yeah. sell to them, tell them what's happening and quite often with them winning work by me doing that. The network just continues mm. to uh, to increase. And TEDx, you know, TEDx and Croydon or TEDx yeah. anywhere, is a, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Did you find that intimidating? I think for me the intimidating part was not necessarily the room. I think I was used to the audience and used to that style of things. It was the part that I know the online repercussions that happen for me being in that room. Right. When they post it onto their TEDx platforms, when they post it onto their YouTube platforms and so on, the, the millions and millions of people view this content. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking people in the room are there, but in my mind, I'm, not, I'm actually talking to the millions who aren't in the room. Who aren't there, yeah. And that was probably, mentally, that was quite a challenge to, because of it, I, I was then going in my mind thinking I'm talking to millions of people and actually, in reflection, I should just tone it down and realize, no, I'm talking to the room, yeah. and the millions of people are just by proxy in the room. But I think I, that was quite a challenge, but I managed to do it, and I was really happy with it at the end. Well, it's a, and so you should be. It's a great talk. I'll link it below. Uh, well worth a, a listen. I think it's 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, about, like yeah maybe they contribute to how long you can talk, which again is quite hard for me, because I could just talk forever. <laughs> um, so how, how big was your business? Mm. Uh, the, the TED talk was in 2015, you mm. started when you were 13 yeah. uh, years old, so um, how, how big did that business grow before sure. you, uh, you did the exit? So when I was about 15, 16, I then moved more into marketing because I realised that website development was going well and I had a few freelancers doing work for me, but I realised that marketing had a bit more exciting for what I wanted to do, I was more excited by it. I'm quite a creative person, so the idea of being able to do that through campaigns and so on really excited me. So then that led to us moving more into marketing, taking on mentors who could support me on that journey. Right. And then I was 16 and I was like, I now need to go full time in the company, but legally in the UK, you have to be in education until you're 18. Right. So I was like, I'm at this sort of crossroads. My mum's like, no, no, stay in education, stay in the safe, you never know what could happen, you know? And I was like, no, I want to go, I want to go full time. I ended up becoming the first person to employ themselves as an apprentice in their own business. <laughs> so one of my mentors was my advisor. I was doing a level three social media course. Well, this was a structure, I assume, because of the requirement to stay at school, unless yes. you had something vocational removing. So I was in education technically, and I got right. qualified in social media. But then at the same time, I was Monday to Friday, full-time in the office growing a business. Right. And you know, those two years in the 16 to 18, when I was then full time in that room, the company just grew rapidly because I was now not doing work in the evenings and struggling to get homework and school work done. I was now 100% dedicated on building out this business. And so our last exam was on the Thursday. That Monday we got our first ever office and it was all exciting and so on. And started to bring together who what were initially freelancing team. Yeah. I started to bring people more into this more structured business. and. I talk about it now like it was such an easy task. Oh, I started bringing it all together, but reality was when you're 16 years old, it was not easy and I had to completely rely on having the right mentors and supporters around me who I'd meet at events and just be like, can you come and help me? And one of, one of my mentors at that stage got a lot more involved in becoming a director of the business, so he was then taking charge of the whole operational side of things right. and I was then able to focus on the whole how can we bring more sales in, how can we make the company different and unique and so on. And you know, it got to a point where we were 18 years old, we were working with brands like Unilever, Champions Health Spas, Virgin Racing, a lot of the government to get young people to vote in the election. So not who to vote for, but just 
turn up and have your say. Right. And we had about 26 people working within the 26 business. 26 people. 26, yeah. Now, obviously, wow. they were a mix of people who were some in the office, some working remotely, and so on. And it then got to a point where we started to go through a bit of a strange patch where one of our largest clients turned around to us and were like, look, we're going to start to move this more in-house. And actually, what I should note is the, the sort of work we were doing for brands like this were all around social marketing to engage young people. Right. So we would traditionally complement your existing marketing agency or offering. So a lot of our actual legal clients are marketing agencies. Yeah. And we would then take the young end, so like 25, 30 under. Gotcha. And we would then produce content tailored just for them. I see, yeah. So then when our clients are like, look, we're actually going to move it more in-house as a marketing agency saying we're going to do more of the young stuff in-house and not outsource to you. So that then led to me a point where I was going to have to make about five to eight staff redundant. And I was, you know, sort of thing. You were 18 at the time. I was 18 and I was just like, that's the last thing I ever wanted to hit. And I then got to a point where at this point I was doing a lot of work in government. I was doing a lot of stuff in the Royal Family as well in the UK. And also speaking at these events. And I was like, you know what, I've realised by doing all of this, as much as I love marketing, as much as I understand marketing, I want to build something, I want to build a product, I want to build something that I can say, that's mine, I can innovate it and bring in the people that I'm meeting a lot more right. because I also wanted to make more of a social impact and you can't do that necessarily in marketing without the clients being on board as well. Sure. So we'd have to completely shifted the whole business offering to attract clients who wanted to make social impacts. Otherwise, when brands have come to us and go, we want more people to stay in our hotel every single night, we produce a campaign that does that. But if I wanted to do a campaign around mental health and awareness around that, we can try and weave it into the link behind staying in the hotel. But you know, it's a very loose link and it's hard to really create a difference. So yeah, long story short, then literally out of the blue, a local marketing agency, Zest, their old owner, who is now on his sellouts, he then contacted me and knew my business partner at the time through previous life and said, look, we're looking to grow the agency, looking to acquire other companies in the area to complement their existing offering, which was traditionally like traditional media buy-in and PR. Their PR team was like phenomenally strong, a lot of ex-journalists and so on. So I had a few meetings with them and eventually did this exit where we merged initially. Then I worked there for six months and left the company after that. And you know, it was hard for me, I think, because knowing that I was going to leave that room for the last time with my staff, with my so clients, and my thing, exactly. Yeah. But I learned a lot during that process, working in a sense of this company for six months. Yeah. I learned so much. And on reflection, I'm so glad that I've done that. And there's nothing I would really change about that process. I'm really glad I managed to do all of that. And I then was like, you know what? I need to catch up on my childhood. I need to just relive life and so on. So I then actually went traveling. So I went to Thailand um, I went, and I went out to India. And so Thailand was more of just like a, a holiday with um, just traveling and just seeing the world. Whereas India, I went out there on, um, on a charity mission. It was all around looking at how can we better support India and then looking at the, the extreme poverty and the situations right. that a lot of them live in. And that led to me come back to the UK. I, I would probably say I'm a veteran, quite a changed person, and a lot I understood a lot more, I'd say, the reality of life. This is about two, two years ago, more or less. This is about two years, a year and a half, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. be two years ago in Easter. Yeah. So I was then like, you know what? I've now realised there's a lot of things where in the UK we're so privileged, and a lot of things okay. that we don't yeah. really realise and understand. And 
I think that change in mindset as well really made me shift when it came to my work in the UK and it really made me start to focus a lot more on what can I do to give back and make a difference and it actually became such an important thing to me. In one example we were talking about earlier, so technically to get a business bank account you have to be 18 years old right. and we, I got a business bank account when I was under 18 initially when I was 16 because I had to resign as director of the company. Then my co-founder at the time then had to get the bank account under his name. Then I then could re as a director after the account's been created. Right. But my name could never be on the account. So it meant for the marketing company, the Towers Design business, it was running from my child's bank account. Because I literally could not get another account to operate it. And I was like, you know what? Something needs to change. That's not right. We live in this world now where so many young people are creating their own businesses and whether that be ones like me and marketing and products and so on, or whether that be even YouTubers and you think about these young people who are running companies producing content online and there's no sort of support, traditional support out there or it feels like all the industries are against you when you're a young person trying to do it when it comes to banking and the legalities and so on. So I was like, I want to I want to change that. Right. So I then lobbied the government, I met with the CEOs of most of the, the largest banks across the UK and eventually I was sort of getting to my last straw, I was like, they're all saying it's impossible because of laws and so on and then I saw Metro Bank, and I don't know if you've seen the strap line for Metro Bank, it says uh, no stupid bank rules. So I went in and I just said it's a stupid bank rule but you have to be 18 to get a business bank account. And I, I'd say almost trapped them in their own marketing spiel. And it led to me meeting you know, some of the top guys in the bank and they then put a case forward. I ended up becoming, long story short, the first ever person under the age of 18 to get a business bank account in their own name. So you changed the law of the country, yeah. basically. So I now made it possible. And Metro, now other banks are now starting to do it over time, and now made it possible where any person under the age of 18 can walk into Metro and some of the other um, banks now as well and upon application and seeing that you're doing the right things and so on they will give you a bank account and I think for me that's one of the things looking back across my journey I'm so proud of being able to make a difference on. The reality was I was about two weeks off being 18 by the time I got the account so I would never say that it benefited me massively, two weeks is not going to end of the world. But those who followed. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and shout out to the progressive people at Metro. Yeah. <laughs> good, uh, good advertising, eh? Um, tell me, you, you've spoken a bit about mentorship. How, what does mentorship mean to you and, yeah. and how do you still use it today? What's your advice for people as they think about mentorship? I think mentorship to me is so important. It's the, it's the thing that's made me who I am today and made me have the success that I've had. I think that Quite often you can get lost in this ideology, you know what, you can just go and achieve it, anyone else to support you, you know, you are the big I am, you can go and do it. And reality is having experts in the room, experts around you who are there to say actually from my experience, don't do that or do this or have you thought about that? And I think with mentors, it's never right just to have one mentor. I think you should have different mentors because um, it's like, let's say, one of my mentors, one of them is a sales mentor. And so for her, for Alison, she's an expert at selling. She is, you know, has some phenomenal sales roles. She knows how to sell and excite people. Yeah. But if I had her for my whole business, my selling would be phenomenal in the business, but everything I've made wouldn't be as strong. Right. So instead, I think for me, mentoring, you get experts in different fields who then can almost excel you in those different spaces, and now you become a better person because you're 
almost lots of experts in one. Gotcha. So yeah, like almost different specialist coaches for yes. different positions on the field. And I think you know, a mentor isn't for me isn't somebody who ever tells me what to do or ever tells me that's wrong or that's right, but it's somebody who just challenges my thinking yeah. and just says uh, I think there's probably other ways of looking upon that or have you looked into this space and then that just gives me that sort of alignment of a cannon like you might think and I can just shoot and go and explore and look into it but I think sometimes we get so fixed on our perspective and so fixed on what's in front of us that we don't realise what's even closer or what's to our left and what's to our right yeah. and mentors provide that. A little fresh perspective that really resonates and uh, you know my, my, certainly my experience mm. Uh, as a uh, as a mentor and mentee, as that it's a two we're very much a two way street. Like I would I would love to count you as one of my mentors. Yes, right, uh, yeah. and others uh, in in your generation. I think I learn a lot from uh, people you. like you that I don't know. Yeah, uh, and hopefully the the same is true in, yeah. the, in the other direction. So you're an uh, you're an ambassador for gosh uh, for. Organizations. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about what drives you uh, in those areas because there's quite a range, everything from, from the dogs, trust to bullies out. Yeah. So I think for me, upon looking upon my journey and what I went through, I realized, you know, right, like every place in the world, there are problems and things happen and so on. And I was like, you know what, how can I use the fact that I'm speaking at these events all the time, I'm meeting these amazing people, how can I use that to my advantage to make more of an impact? Because I think I can do my impact in what I do, but then is there a way I can also sort of overspill that and help other people as well? And so, I mean, to quote you for the reasons behind different ones, so Dogs Trust came out, so we've um, adopted a rescue dog. You know, he'd been through a horrible, horrible um, sort of past and history and, you know, we don't quite know the extent of what it was, but it's it, what they were in there, it wasn't pleasant. And then realizing the whole mental health link behind owning a dog and the reality of actually owning something that isn't a human who can give you lip back, but actually just be there, a constant thing to love and so on. And I think for me, I was like, you know what? It's something that I had a big heart for that actually people need to realize more like, about how great they are, but also looking more around, less around getting a puppy and more around getting a dog that's already alive, sitting in a, a four meter by four meter whatever enclosure. Right. But actually saying, have a dog who's like that and don't get another dog who's not there. So that's the technical reason behind that. The um, other ones, obviously, bullies out. I think when you're a young person and you're growing your brand and you're starting to do something different, naturally that attracts some negative attention. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully, I think because I've been doing these talks and bits on TV and so on from such a young age, it's meant that I wouldn't say I've got numb to it, but I've got used to the fact that some people will want to fire negativity for absolutely no reason. They just, and you look at like their Twitter accounts, for example, and there'll just be negativity for loads of people. It's not never really just one person, it's yeah. normally they just live their life trying to put people down. And I realised, you know what, that the support for people when they're going through that, both offline and online, more needs to be done, and so that's why I got involved with Bullies Out. And then the Young Lives Foundation, Young Lives Foundation all around helping young people who are foster or adopted, and helping them to really sort of push ahead in life. You know, you, when you're a young person, you get moved around, and you, know, you, get, you basically decisions are made for you about you being in the room, and you go for this you know, quite crap situation that isn't because of you or something you've done often. And so I was like, 
you know what, something needs to be done to help these young people who haven't got the right opportunities or never, aren't really on paper expected to go on and achieve great things. Right. Actually saying, you know what, we can we can still make they can still achieve great things. Yeah. You know, they're they're not sort of unable to achieve, they just need to be sort of angled and re-geared and so on to help them to do that. And so that's why I'm involved with Young Lives and then the Idea Awards. So I'm a big passionate believer around this is the Duke of York. Duke of York, yeah. So charity. This sort of around trying to help people who the whole idea about digital skills and tech skills and so on, it's I think there's this a generation of people who use technology but don't understand it. Yeah. They maybe go gaming or they watch videos but never revast the limits. What's happening it. in the pipes behind you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that knowing what's happening in the pipes is so important mm -hmm. for young people to understand. And I think that's where the jobs are. That's where the, the future and the careers are. And I think a lot of people get lost in the, the front end. The user interface. Yeah. As it were, yeah. So for me, idea was all around trying to give people all across the world that basis of what is tech and what is entrepreneurship. Right. So there is like lots of badges you can complete online. One of them is all around blockchain. So you'll just complete that and you won't go too deep into blockchain, but from the end of it, if somebody ever says to you, what is blockchain, you can say it. You can answer And that's the idea behind it. There's coding ones, yeah. there's gaming ones and so on. It just gives you that basis. It's something that we lack. I think as a as a generation, you know, we we've suddenly just appeared with technology and all these new exciting things. Between sort of the surface level, those yeah. And I think there are a lot. Some people are diving in deeper, but I think yeah. a lot of people who have this surface level then get caught up in that. Yeah. And I think that by teaching people the mechanics and maybe they might find an area they like, that helps the economy to grow and helps them to actually yeah. have a career. Yeah. Right. What's your favourite uh, blockchain technology, by the way? So for me, I quite, I quite like Ethereum and how it works because of the fact you can run apps and solutions through it as well as the sort of coin offerings and so on. So contracts and so on. Exactly, and I think it's something that is... I, for me, what, one thing I'm fascinated by blockchain is the fact you can get content into countries that regulate their content and you can start to make this sort of freedom of content sort of thing across the world. And that obviously has its potential downfalls and challenges. Yeah. But it also means that we, you can now almost give a, think about it from an idealistic point of view, you can now give this true, transparent yeah. story to people who would never normally have heard that story. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great use case. I, I strongly believe in the, you know, that technology is a great democratizer. You know, it doesn't care who you are, where you come from. Uh, if you've got a good idea mm. uh, that you want to disseminate, you can do that. Yeah. Or build a business as you did. Um, what what a uh, what an incredible track record! Ten years of entrepreneurial experience at the age of twenty one. So tell me about what you're working on now. Yeah. So after then going to India and seeing all the health situation situation out there, and also close to home. So um, some of my family members and also some of my really close friends went through some you know, real challenging mental health challenges, and it led to me looking at that and realizing you know, something more needs to be done to support people with their mental health, but also physical health as well, because there's a strong correlation between the two. So we then set out on building this holistic, so mental and physical health solution. I had a, a co-founder who was actually the guy who was with me for the last part of my marketing company. And then about more recently, probably about a month or two ago, we actually recently split. So he wanted to focus a lot more on sort of like getting 10 things to be healthier per day, whereas I wanted to focus a lot more on the mental health and producing a, a solution. 
so we then recently split, which I'd say set me back in a way from, because obviously we're going through all of that, but it's enabled me now to really focus on doing that. And you know, for him as a person, he was someone who'd been phenomenal in my career. I've been working for about four years and he's shaped me and made me who I am today to a very large degree. But I think we reached a point where I now needed to find somebody else and change and right. so on. And I think that's, going back to the mentor we discussed earlier, that's something that it's a hard decision to make with a mentor, with somebody you're working with. But I think it has to be done at times. You have to turn around to somebody and go, you know what, I think I've learned as much as I can from you and now I need to get somebody else with a new perspective in. And you know, by no means is that an easy conversation, an easy thing to do, but it's something we all need to be prepared to have when we have sure. mentors. So yeah, so we're now launching this a workplace solution, so large employers buy it for their staff. And the idea is that it helps the staff to have better mental and physical health, that naturally then leads to better productivity, less sick um, days and so on. Yep. And so for me, I was like, I need to understand more about this space. Yeah. And I then started consulting at GSK for GlaxoSmithKline. And that came about because I was asked to speak at one of their conferences, met some of the leadership team, and I've been there for about a year now and I'm just coming to the end of my time there. And I started off just getting involved with those in projects for leadership and eventually, those of you who don't know, so they did a 10 billion pound merger with Pfizer for the consumer health business. And I ended up doing loads of comms, I was the official title was like a comms director on what was happening, you know, how was the integration coming together, how are we enabling people within the organisation to merge, how are we enabling tech to be transferred and so on. Inside the company. Inside GSK. So hold on, let's just pause there. So yeah. GSK and Pfizer, 10 billion pound merger mm. and you're the communications director for it. So I was the communications director for the initiative of them bringing things together right. and trying to build this new exciting Incredible. business. Yeah. Incredible. So uh, what's next? Are you looking for a new partner or uh, are you intending to fund it? Yeah. What's happening? So what I'm doing now is because I'm now starting things not from scratch but really sort of kicking things off and getting the groundwork back together, I'm focused on bringing that together. I've Alongside that, I've got half my eyes open to look like a technical co-founder because I've realised in mobile apps, yes, you can outsource it, but having somebody internal who's got that skills and expertise to grow the company with is much better and you get a lot further. So I am sort of half looking out for that, so anyone watching this is interested. How do they get hold of you? Like, uh, Twitter would be the best thing. Twitter, yeah, Towers Ben on Twitter, yeah. Towers Ben on Twitter, at Towers Ben. And um, so I'm doing that, I'm then getting involved with large, large corporates and meeting investors as well to bring it all together. So I think for me, the whole investment thing is quite interesting because when I left the marketing agency, I did a number of investments myself. And you know they were not large, large, investments that they were substantial enough and they were helping my tax return you know, lower in, in the last possible way as well. So more recently now, now I'm the one seeking investment. It's such a strange situation to be right. in because it's like the tables have turned in that sense and I'm learning a lot. I yeah. think you learn a lot when you meet all these experts who are all done well in their field and that's why they've got money to invest because they've proven themselves, they haven't just woken up and started yeah. investing most of the time anyway. And so I'm learning a lot and it's helping me to shape the business and I think I realise one of the things I've learned with investment is there are some investors who I was just out for a free lunch and like they just come and they meet you and they're never interested in, they're just interested in just find out what's happening but not never really interested in investing and they'll be quite clear about that they'll go yeah we just haven't got the money at the moment and they'll be like but four meetings ago right. you could have said that yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think 
that whole idea about choosing who you meet and so on is really yeah. coming to its own now for me. Well, I appreciate you coming in. I should point out also that I uh, treated you to lunch today. Yeah, you did, yeah. And, yeah, it's, uh, over there, it's Late outside. <laughs> um, you can't see it. Well, it's uh, very clear for, for me to see why Richard Branson once described you as one of the UK's most exciting entrepreneurs. If you're a technical person looking to uh, get involved in the business, now you know how Maybe to, that, yeah. how to uh, find Ben. And also if you're looking to make an investment, uh, there's a good opportunity and uh, uh, somebody with a strong track record. Ben, in, in closing, uh, many people will be watching this probably in your age group, yeah. or perhaps in mine and, and others. Uh, what advice would you give them? based on your experience? I'd say two bits of advice for somebody maybe in your age group or somebody who is on their career and is like, you know, what can I do to give back or support? I'd say really challenge yourself to find a mentee. If you work for a large corporate, find somebody either in the company or outside of the company, if that's right, or just find them online, you know, using LinkedIn and so on. You can meet so many amazing people. And if you're like, I just can't find the right people, there are loads of charity organisations out there who pair young people can with mentors yeah. so you can just find some of those and just be like here's my skill set I'd love to help right. and I think one thing to note on that that people often don't realise is sometimes even just one coffee can change someone's life I remember when I look back on my sort of history so I remember it's a young enterprise or junior achievement as they known across the world so they came into my school when I was about 13 14 years old when I started to get involved in the company Remember I met this person who worked for a local bank. Now it might sound weird because somebody works for a local bank or somebody wants to start a business, you know, especially more recently and not normally hand in hand. And so, but I remember on reflection, just speaking to somebody who data was wearing a suit in a professional working environment and somebody who was in that corporate world, it wasn't anything that I'd ever experienced before directly. And even now, I can look back on that moment. I can't maybe necessarily remember what was said, but I can remember how I was felt, and I can remember that. It really made me leave that conversation just thinking, you know what? That's really inspired me. So that's, that's the thing about giving back and so on. I think for a young person my age, if you're somebody looking to start a business, for example, my biggest top tip is just to get going now. I think just to. You learn so much when you're younger, you're more nimble, nimble and so on, you know. Loads of these large corporates are trying to be agile. Right. And you know, even within GSK, one of the big initiatives we were working on was about how to embed, embed agile behaviours and methodologies right. into business. But I think the thing is that I find quite interesting is near enough 99.9% .9 of people in my generation who I've met are naturally agile. Yeah. And I think it's because it's of this, this world we live in, because of yeah. tech has actually shaped our mind and thinking. And so I think that the jargon busted, you know, it's about just doing things day by day and not doing 10 year plans and so on. And when we're starting now, you start to learn, you start to get better, and you start to do these cycles where you start to improve and the next month you're doing better than this month. And that means in theory, the earlier you start, more experience and better you're doing six months later. Well, you're a case in point on that 10 years and uh, yeah. an absolute inspiration. I feel proud to call you one of my mentors. Thank you. Uh, ben Towers, thanks for joining us. Thank you.